Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and I'm joined, by, as always, by Jack. Say hey, Jack. <laughs> hello. <laughs> well, and hello there. Hello, hello. Um, and we have a very special guest today. He lifts <laughs> our hearts just being here. <laughs> He's the co-founder of Brotherwise Games. It's Johnny O'Neill. What's up, man? How you doing? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me today. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming to talk to us about Stormlight Premium Minis and about uh, uh, the goings-ons of Brotherwise Games. Yeah. Um, it's been a, been a pretty busy four, three or four weeks for you, right? Yeah, it, this... Kickstarters are always the busiest time for us out of any year, and this one has been definitely super busy. Uh, we've been yeah live for about three weeks now, coming into the fourth week with this being the end of our 30-day campaign on Thursday. So mm-hmm. uh, every every day matters, and uh, you know, constantly hustling to try to get the word out and try to add as much as we can to the campaign and finish everything else. Yeah. Could you possibly, just to throw in a, a short little question here, could you possibly have anticipated the response on this particular Kickstarter? Because it, it's, it seemed to, to me that it was, you know, you had quite, quite, quite the impact. Yeah, this has been, this has really exceeded our expectations. Um, you know, uh, we knew with the craziness of Brandon's Kickstarter this spring that, right. uh, that with that, okay, Clearly, the the sky's the limit in terms of what the Stormlight fan base can come together and pull off, or the Brandon Sanderson fan base, I should say, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of which I think probably all big Sanderson fans are Stormlight fans. Like yes, it, this, yes. I think it, it's probably if you love his stuff, this is likely the thing that you love most, or at least in your top three. Mm-hmm. And so we had, you know, we when we originally reached out to them about doing this. Um, it was well before the secret novels campaign and um and even so we we believed that this could be like a million dollar plus campaign uh but three million was kind of like in our best scenarios where we <laughs> might possibly end up after right. all kickstarter and backer kit and all that so this is a yeah. pretty amazing response you're you're standing on the top of Urethiru. Um, you've pretty much conquered. Yeah, that's that's a delight to hear um, that it was so successful, and of course, uh, just a delight to uh, to be a small part of it with you here on the show. Um, I'll throw it back to Sean for yeah. For- we um we just wanted to give you so first we kind of wanted to give you uh, uh, let you have a chance to tell us or tell the listeners if they don't already know about Brotherwise Games and you and your brother and how you guys got things started. Yeah, absolutely. Well. So to anybody who's listening who's not familiar with the miniatures campaign that we've got going on right now, we've got miniatures, we've got figurines, we've got a gorgeous sideshow-style statue, uh, and all that's on Kickstarter right now. And this is all stuff that we've made in very close partnership uh, with Brandon and Dragonsteel. So uh, a few years ago, we released a game called Call to Adventure, the Stormlight Archive, and that mm-hmm. was a traditional licensing deal where we said, hey, we want to make a game, we'll pay you a royalty to use your license, uh, we'll do the art, we'll submit it to you for approval, and we'll have this great product. And this project uh, is different than that. This project is one that from the beginning, we've been hand in hand. Uh, it's really a partnership rather than uh, just kind of a licensing thing. And mm-hmm. instead of sort of sending stuff over the wall and only getting stuff kicked back if it was blatantly wrong, 
Mm. Now everything we share is going to Brandon and saying, he's saying, yes, this is, this is the vision I have for this or nope, make this adjustment. Um, we've been, you know, one of the hardest characters to sculpt for whatever reason has been Lopin. And uh, Lopin. Like, this, this is a good Lopin, but it's not my Lopin. And right. he'd send it back and, and have a, another comment. And so that kind of back and forth, that kind of really working intimately with the Dragon Steel team as an extension mm. of that team uh, is, has been super cool. Um, but that, was, that wasn't really an answer to your question. Uh, that was more just to give people a sense of what this is all about, who right. I am, why I'm talking about Stormlight today. Mm-hmm. Um, who Brotherwise is as a company, we started almost exactly 10 years ago um, as just me and my brother for fun, putting a game on Kickstarter. Um, at the time, my brother and I played a lot of TCGs and tabletop games, uh, right. of course, RPGs as well. But uh, he said, hey, we're always modifying and house ruling these games. Why don't we make up our own? And we kind of challenged each other to each design a game. He designed mm-hmm. a game. I designed a game. This game I designed uh, was called Boss Monster. He liked that better of the two. So we started focusing on that one and commissioned art for it and did more and got it to a point where we said, okay, let's put this on Kickstarter. And so we did. And we were truly just doing it for fun. Like, hey, let's make this. We think it's going to cost about $14,000. Let's see if we can raise $12,000, each kick in $1,000, and be able to sort of say on our bucket list, we made a game. Uh, And instead, we made $12,000 on the first day that we posted it. (laughs) It went on to make um, $215,000, which at the time was just craziness to us. And it helped us launch this entire business of making games. And we made those games for quite some time. Uh, in Boss Monster 2, we actually have a parody of uh, Brandon uh, called, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the card is called Brandon Sanderson. Oh, Brandon nice. Sanderson, I love it. It's a cleric and it depicts him um, wearing a mist cloak, but the mist cloak itself is awakened. So it's like propping him up. Uh, he's carrying a spear. Uh, there's an Aeon coming out of his hand. Uh, he, I think he's got like uh, copper uh, wristbands on. So the whole thing is like as many Cosmere references as I could cram into one little piece of pixel art that got back to him and he was amused by it. Uh, And as a gamer and a sort of all purpose geek uh, himself, he was familiar with boss monster. It was on his radio radar. And so a couple years after that, when we came to him and said, we're making this new game called to adventure, Mm. could stormlight be a part of it? I think all those things contributed to him saying yes. Uh, and also that we already had a yes from Patrick Rothfuss to do one based on the name of the wind. Yes. Uh, I think that gave us some, some credibility. An, an, another amazing series. Um, so to give you an idea of what we do on the show, um, Jack is a first time reader and I've read all the books and we read two chapters at a time. And then we discuss each episode, those two chapters. So in essence, what we're doing is we're capturing Jack's uh, first reread live on air. And then when he wants to stop and talk about something that he remembered from his first reread or now in the moment as we're rereading it, then we pause and we discuss. So I only tell you this because when you were describing this uh, special card in your game of Brandon Sanderson, there may have been like seven references there that Jack did not get. I was, he's, yeah. he's only read uh, Way of Kings, 
Words of Radiance and right. Edge Dancer. Those are the only three books he's read. That's Eventually, right. we will make our way through the entire Cosmere, but for now, he's limited to that. So I, I, I mentioned that because well, one, sorry, Jack, that flew right well, over your head. I would love to, at this point, uh, throw out the questions that we had planned for you and ask you about the specific references that you made. About, no, 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 you're not allowed knowing but anything. I, but, but I'm not allowed. <laughs> so that's that's fine. Um, we have mined the depths of damnation itself, and we have five burning questions for you. Um, are you ready for our Stormlight Hour 5 questionnaire? Sounds good. Okay, let's start off with uh, the, the, the question that is burning uh, most for us is, why the Stormlight Archive? What is it about the Stormlight Archive that you love and that you were able to translate into not only the, the board game, the miniatures, and potentially new things to come. So one answer to this is that I just have this strong conviction that the Stormlight Archive is, is destined to become this huge mega hit. Uh, I worked in the toy industry for 12 years uh, mm. before I left full time to work on Brotherwise. I worked with brands uh, like Star Wars and WWE and Masters of the Universe uh, and also uh, younger targeted stuff like Paw Patrol and Bluey. I got to meet senior executives and work with senior executives at companies like Disney and DreamWorks. And uh, on a pretty constant basis, mm. uh, when I was working for companies like Mattel, entertainment companies would come to us and pitch their IP to us. They'd say, hey, we're making this movie. And, you know, we want you to do the toys. And sometimes we'd be like, yes, this is this movie is perfect for toys. Sometimes we'd be like, well, this could be a huge movie, maybe not the most toy focused, but it's going to be so big. Let's do the toys. That was the case for James Cameron's Avatar. Uh, And in other cases, it was like, no, this is the Noah's Ark movie starring Russell Crowe. Why are you trying to convince us to make toys based on this? This doesn't make any sense. Maybe it was uh, the fact that you could make two of each animal and then it's like collect them all type of thing. Uh, that was... The possibilities are limitless. <laughs> but um, with Stormlight, you know, so having done all those, you know, worked within that context of kind of like making merchandise for various entertainment properties, uh, Stormlight just has all the attributes of a world that people want to go back to and yeah. be a part of. And there's so much depth to it. Uh, it has such fascinating visuals that have really inspired yes. fan artists. Like you mm-hmm. just look at how much fan art there is for this versus other uh, fantasy novels and things. And you know, the whole thing's super cinematic, all of that. So you know, I fell in love with the series for the same reason that many readers do the great characters the compelling plot the world building the Mm -hmm. unique magic system um but then there's always been that element as well of like ah this is something you know this is a world that i want to go back to uh and you know james cameron's avatar to use an example i already mentioned that was a cool world to hang out in for a couple hours and i'd be curious to see a sequel but i don't want to play the the Navi RPG. I, I, I've, I sort of, that, that world <laughs> right. feels like it's a right. contained thing. Whereas um, Stormlight makes me feel the same way that Star Wars has always made me feel, or, right. you know, uh, X-Men where it was like, I, I could, it's not just that these characters are cool. I could imagine myself going to uh, Xavier's school and being an X-Man. And I could imagine right. myself becoming a radiant. And that opens it up. I feel like for, 
various games, uh, you know, for Call to Adventure, which we already did, for the RPG that we're going to do, and then of course <laughs> to have all these cool figurines and miniatures. Mm, fantastic. Um, I'll throw it back to Sean for our next question. Uh, so uh, before the next question, I just got to say, if I am going to play a Navi RPG, I'm putting all of my skill points into Sense Horse just to make Sense sure horse. that, yeah, I just want my bond right away. As soon as level one bonded, I don't got to go through all that stuff. Okay. Um, our, our second burning question is, um, Jack and I are avid role players. Um, our podcast um, is looking at the Stormlight Archive through the eyes of Dungeon Masters. We talk a lot about you know, what skills these characters would be using, what power set, and, you know, we, we're going to do a, a bonus episode on what level characters and classes they would be in a D&D format. And so we are very experienced with miniatures. Um, how did the idea of a Stormlight miniature come about? Like, how did you guys first think it up? And, and then how did you, you know, get this Kickstarter going? So we were definitely the ones to first bring up miniatures as, hey, we'd love to do miniatures. And I think, you know, one of the things that was in our head at the time was, oh, this you know this would make a fantastic miniatures game. Uh, around that time, we were also working on the Dragon Prince Battle Charged, which is a fun um, skirmish miniatures game set in the world of the Netflix series, The Dragon Prince. Mm-hmm. And um, that one's like two on two or three on three battles, almost kind of Smash Brothers style uh, yeah. with those characters. And a funny thing that happened is, you know, that got a great response, but we heard from so many people um, who are like, oh, I'm not really a gamer. I love the miniatures. If you just sold the miniatures, I would have gotten them. And, um, you know, I, at the time I was like, oh man, like if we just sold the miniatures, probably would have only cost like $5 less than this. You know, like this is, the miniatures right. are the, really the the thing that took the most effort in all this uh, and the majority of the, the product cost and all that. So maybe what we should do on Stormlight is, get the miniatures out there to all the people who are just book readers and who want to see physical versions of these characters. Uh, but then also have something up our sleeves for uh, from the game perspective. And so when we first talked to Isaac and Brandon and the team about this, that was kind of where we were going. But the other thing that very quickly emerged in those discussions is how valuable it would be to have a essentially this huge character visual development project for Stormlight. Mm-hmm. I think part of what made mm-hmm. the experience so good for Dragonsteel and working with us on Call to Adventure is we commissioned more than a hundred illustrations. And Isaac saw that we knew this world really well, that we had good sensibilities, that we knew how to work within an illustration budget and all of this stuff. And They'd had a bunch of partners, but this was the best experience they'd had like that. So they liked the idea of having a product, the miniatures, which essentially funded this visual development project, coming up with official character designs for all of these characters that could then inform subsequent illustrations and subsequent projects that they could bring into their Hollywood meetings. And if you look at the one piece of artwork that has been released for book five, and I'll keep this circumspect uh, for Jack's sake. Um, the two characters depicted are wearing, you know, exactly the designs that were created as a part of this, uh, you know, really project. Yeah. Uh, and so it was very much like this was something where on the Dragonsteel side, 
and even on the broader-wise side, like we didn't see this as just, hey, let's make a product. This was really a visual development project first, merchandise project second. Yeah, that's that's really great. Uh, the 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 fan art has been low key the best part of doing this uh, podcast because we release an episode and when we uh, feature uh, an episode art and normally we try to find art that is of the moment in the chapters that we're covering and uh, you and uh, people, everyone at Brotherwise Games have been so generous with uh, allowing us to uh, be able to feature some of the art commissioned for uh, the uh, Call to Adventure and um, one such artist, I think you're talking about Randy Vargas who um, uh, might have been involved in the, the piece of art you were just talking about he's been very generous with his art with us too and yeah um yeah low-key the fan art is amazing and all the fan art that you guys did for call to adventure that all the stuff that you guys commissioned is on point it's so beautiful um i think that you mentioned on brandon's show that actually these miniatures the depictions of these miniatures of these characters are sort of the official depiction like fan art everyone has their own kind of um you know there's a thousand different kaladins right um but this kaladin that we see in this these miniatures are like the official way that kaladin will would look in um i think brandon's mind and also uh, dragonsteel's mind yeah this is i i believe uh, brandon said in the introduction video that he and isaac recorded uh on our Mm -hmm. kickstarter page uh, these are the first official depictions of these mm-hmm. characters uh, mm-hmm. that there have been. Um, there's always been a little bit of, um, you know, for the book covers and things like that. Um, th- you work with somebody at the caliber of Michael Whalen and, and it's mm-hmm. it's the publisher commissioning it and all of that. Uh, you don't sort of send it back. Hey, we want this to be more accurate. <laughs> you know, there's 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 some element of that. I, Isaac has art directed those. Ben McSweeney yeah, uh, ben, would yeah. like sketch them out and then. Michael would paint them, but there's always been kind of that room for artistic interpretation and only correcting mistakes as opposed to saying, no, we really want him to look more like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas with this, it was, you know, Ben would make the sketches, Brandon would comment on those. Then Audrey would make a portrait, Audrey Hote, who did a number of portraits for characters. Then Brandon Mm -hmm. would pick the one of those that he liked best. And there'd be back and forth, back and forth. Then we'd get to the miniature stage. And once he saw it in three dimensions, Brandon might feel a little bit differently. And, you know, we're still realistically probably only in the realm of like 90 to to 95% of what's in Brandon's head for every character. (laughs) Of course. And they always, you know, he still says your version is your official version. uh, And, I think there's still a lot of value in fan artists coming in and providing their own interpretation that might lead to something that then evolves how everybody thinks about how that character could look. And of course, movies someday or a big prestige TV series that come out for this, that'll have its own look too. So there's not necessarily one thing, but if you're looking for what are the canonical representations of these characters, uh, it's really the black and white sketches in the book. Uh, and non-sketches, black and white illustrations in the books, and uh, by Ben McSweeney, and then uh, these miniatures, and and those are those are the official designs. Yeah, that's awesome. Ben's awesome. He's uh, another another great artist and great guy. Um, Jack, well, to 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 take it into uh, to our third question, I suppose from all of the fan art art to then all of the artwork that was. Um, put into the novels and then all of the artwork that was put into the game that you, that you designed and now into these miniatures um getting specific about the miniatures um which is your favorite 
if, if, if you had, if you had to pick a favorite or if you can't, then at least what's in your top five. I've got, I'd say a couple of my favorites, um, really high on the list. Actually, the three that come to mind are mm. probably um, Leshwi, Navani, Yasna. I think all three of those are just turned out beautifully. Um, uh, though, and I think that that that's fairly close to Isaac's list too. Leshwi is, was a lot of fun. So Leshwi is a heavenly one, uh, a one of the. Uh, um, uh, so yeah, there. Oh wait, yeah. we're at. We're at the beginning. Yeah, of the no, thing, I, right? I, I I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. That's uh, okay, but that is okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, yeah. Once you encounter these folks, I won't describe who they are, but okay, uh, sure. Uh, the getting to their look that was something where there had been some again black and white images, um, but the look of those characters had not been defined, and that had. Uh, the amount of back and forth on that one, like between what Ben sent us as his concept art mm. and then where we ended up, uh, that was probably one of the biggest divergences, uh, I- I'd say. Okay. Um, so it's one where more visual development happened on the 3D side, uh, which I think is fun. But but the miniature still really benefits from a gorgeous um, silhouette that Ben established early on. And so that, that one just turned out really well, but the Yasna and Navani ones are also really nice. Well, I'm, I'm biased uh, towards, towards Yasna, as we all know. So I'm sure that that will remain my favorite. Um, However, I'm excited to see these other uh, miniatures uh, to come. I'll throw it back to Sean for our fourth question. Let's not worry too, too much about spoilers here because I did make a deal with the Night Watcher and Jack only hears <laughs> when hearing spoilers. So only... <laughs> it's very similar to Dalinar's deal, but um, so um, right. <laughs> so we're, as you know, are releasing um, the first novella Edge Dancer on our, our show right now. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we kind of hooked up for um, for with this Kickstarter. And we are Jack and I are totally in love with Lyft. Lyft is like one of our favorite characters now. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us specifically about the Lyft miniature and her design? That was a really fun one. Uh, my favorite thing about the Lyft miniature is that it was designed uh, the orish- initial concept art for it. Uh, was made by Marie Seberger, who is also known as Lamory. Yeah, um, she's one who, of our favorites. Yeah, who has is probably the most prolific uh, Stormlight fan artist and one of the best. Uh, I will often, in trying to remember what somebody you know should look like, uh, mm-hmm. I will be like, "What? How did Lamory depict this?" Because her pieces tend to be extremely accurate, as well mm-hmm. as you know they're very well researched and. Um, you know, I, I don't use her as a primary source, but I will use her as a, yeah, this is, you know, what does Teft's spear look like? And, you know, double checking to see how she's mm-hmm. done it to see if, uh, um, you know, if, if I'm, if I've missed a piece of reference material or something, but, uh, and it just, uh, her style, everything has been really cool. And, and she's also evolved a lot as an artist over the time, uh, that I've been seeing her stuff. So, uh, she did the design for Lyft. Because the whole Dragon Steel team loves the Unity uh, comic that she did, which is like a um, visual version of uh, some the of the end. most climactic scenes of Ocarina. Yeah, it's uh, one of the uh, parts at the end, Jack, where you haven't read yet. We just started Oathbringer, but it is yep. during the Sanderlanch 
in yes. Oathbringer. So it, it is, oh, I which see. is, which is my favorite Sandra Lanch of any book. And so oh. I was very delighted that then that version of Lyft essentially got pulled into this uh, project. And then uh, our sculptor, um, Solveig Horsfield, then brought that into 3D. Uh, and our lead sculptor, Leander Picorni, made a little adjustments just to make everything flow beautifully. And uh, it's the resulting miniature I'm really happy with. Uh, ben McSweeney also was the one who defined the pose for that. And his version of Wendell, we kind of blended with Marie's version of Wendell. So we got a little bit of a hybrid there. Uh, but that's a cool one where a great example of just how many people have an impact on every one of these little miniatures. Yeah. Um, Marie is one of my favorites. She has been so generous with her art and uh, we're so proud of her at the show. Um, she's, she's amazing. Um, uh, Jack, what do you have next here? Well, we come to the end of our Stormlight Hour 5 questionnaire for Johnny. Uh, question number five, our last, what is on the horizon for Brotherwise Games and its involvement with Stormlight Archive? And specifically, if you can reveal it, what can you tell us about the RPG? Well, that's definitely the biggest thing on the horizon right now. And I'm still in the kind of uniting the radiance stage of that process, <laughs> uh, trying to assemble uh, the dream team of people to work on it. Um, so we've got a few people. I'm not ready to announce the names yet, but um, really cool people who are working on some of the um, you know some of some of the key designers and writers behind mm. uh, really good RPGs. And um, so I'm, I'm excited that when we announce who's working on this, uh, it's going to just look like a who's who of um, <laughs> some of the strongest RPGs out there right now. And oh, wow. um, I can tell you that we're also still from a, um, from a design perspective at a pretty early stage. So we're still working through some of the key challenges of um you know, essentially how unique is it uh, versus how approachable uh, is it? Um, mm -hmm. So you know, one of the biggest questions being uh, to what extent does it tap into sort of D20 rule set uh -huh. uh, versus mm -hmm. uh, to what extent does it do something completely original? Right. Um, it's, it's definitely not going to just be a straight up, you know, port of Dungeons and Dragons or something because that's not, that doesn't fit what uh, what needs to happen in a Stormlight RPG. So much of it is very character-driven, mm -hmm. um, the way that characters level up, the uh, way that powers balance between different types of characters introduce a lot of challenges that mean we're going to have a unique system. Uh, but we're also trying to make sure that when people walk up to this system, if the only RPG they've ever played is D&D, they're not going to be at a complete loss or feel like, oh, this is a weird thing that I don't understand, uh, which That's is... Yeah, that that sort of uh, reminds me about what you said earlier about the Stormlight Archive and Roshar as just being a world that is it's familiar. It's it's it sort of echoes from things that have happened before. Like when, when you mentioned Star Wars or if it was, you know, Dune or something like that, it sort of has that feel of a place that you want to visit, inhabit. But it's got that it has this like reminiscence of, of things that came before. So the fact that you're, you're talking in terms of potentially using a D20, but also incorporating a, a unique system, that's very exciting to hear. 
Yeah, it is a very fun design challenge and uh, one where, you know, so Brotherwise is a company has never done RPGs. Um, I have done some RPG RPG design work in the past. My first published game design work was um, some articles for Dragon Magazine uh, many years ago. Uh, but the, you know, what we're good at is we're really good as publishers, kind of pulling together people who are good at stuff, uh, packaging that up, creating the vision for it, uh, keeping everybody moving on the right schedules and with the right balance of you know, being focused on creativity while also making sure you actually get things done, uh, all that. So, you know, my role on this project will really just be to uh, kind of coordinate all of these really experienced RPG designers. And right, so right. as we're, you know, some of the earliest stuff we'll be doing is uh, getting together with Brandon and brainstorming and discussing and debating exactly how we want to handle certain elements of the system. That's awesome. Um, if we, uh, if you need any beta testers, you know, you can come to us <laughs> yes. as your beta testers. Yes. We, we are very experienced in games. Um, so I'm going to, uh, we're going to end the call now. I'm going to send you another link. Okay. Cause we're okay. about to run out of time and then we'll, okay. we'll just wrap everything up. And um, so no. Jack, if you want to end the recording. Okay, sure. And then everyone leave the thing and then I'll just send you guys another link. Um, all right. Well, um, that completes our uh, hour five uh, questionnaire. We do have a lightning round here. It's actually a red lightning from the Everstorm round. Um, <laughs> yes, we are very cheesy and heavy handed. Um, so let's talk just more broad uh, Storm, uh, Stormlight Archive stuff here. Wh who, who's your favorite character in the Stormlight Archive? It's a tough one, but I think my favorite character is Dalinar. And I... Uh, because of everything that happens in the book that Jack's about to read. <laughs> right. Really? Oh, that is very exciting. That's good to hear. I, I've been making some, some, uh, some guesses as to what Oathbringer um, hopefully will focus on. And I've been saying to Sean, I'm hoping that it focuses on Dalinar. I'm hoping that we get some um, more windows into his past. Um, where we are in our reading right now, you just read his first flashback. So you do know that yep. it's going to be really concentrated on him. Yeah. Um, next question in the lightning round. What is your favorite moment? But you have to pick from uh, Way of Kings or Words of Radiance so that this way uh, yes. we don't spoil. Yeah. <laughs> favorite moment out of those books. Um, oh, I mean, the kind of like standard answers here are going to be probably not very unique for me like uh understand but i'll see what i can do jumping into the arena that's right. that's such a right. such a perfect moment um there's also of, of course kind of the whole battle of the tower and uh you know everything that happens with uh i mean the, the sandra lanch of book one uh you know is is really super memorable and yeah uh you know kaladin making the choice to uh go back and you know save Eleanor and adolin that's that's all really good stuff one of my favorite moments though um just like picking a smaller moment uh from words of radiance when kaladin is you know i, I I like Shalon, uh, and Shalon, mm. I know this from polling and things like that, uh, is is a more divisive character um, than than the others. But there's there's a moment in Words of Radiance where uh, it's I think the the line is like storms she smiled anyway. Yeah, uh, when they're in the chasms it, together. Yeah, uh, and that like 
that sort of encapsulation of who Shalon is as a character, um, I think is very powerful because, um, you know, who she is and the cheesy jokes that she makes and all of that versus the amount of trauma that she's going through and, and contending with and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, sort of trying to find the truth through all of that uh, while also putting up the right illusions, uh, I think is very powerful. And the, um, the way that she uh, spiritually light weaves characters like Gaz uh, and, and kind of yeah, blue finds and finds ways yep. to redeem redeem them. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is really cool too. Um, so those are those are like my underrated Shalon moments uh, on top of the iconic Kaladin and Adolin moments. <laughs> yeah, we love that moment uh, when uh, he, she smiles. Anyways, it it kind of gets back to the story that Wit tells her at Middlefest when she was younger, when the two men talked about beauty and beauty ended up being the days when the pain wasn't so bad. And so she's smiling anyways, because you know what? It could be worse. Uh, the pain isn't so bad today. So I'll smile anyways. If there's a nice callback there, Jack, do you have a question? Um, let me see. I don't think I have any more on my list. Oh, the, uh, the red, uh, yeah. The, the last question, the lightning round, sorry, is um, it's actually the question that Jack likes to ask everybody, which is. Oh, I, uh, yes, I do have one final question. And that would be to date. What is your favorite book? I would say that Oathbringer is my favorite of the of the books. Um, so so get excited because <laughs> wow wow that's fantastic to hear. That's uh, I, fantastic. I, I think um, yeah. I there's a lot I like about Rhythm of War as well. I mean, I I love them all. These these are all really wonderful books, um, but. It is really hard to beat that Oathbringer Sandra Lanch. And uh, it's it's also when I feel like the stakes get raised. Um, like if I if I'm playing the Stormlight RPG, um, the you know it gets a lot more exciting at the end of Oathbringer than it is even at the end of Words of Radiance. Uh, you know, the the world I feel like just starts to open up more. For sure. Um, and wow. then yeah, excited for book five as well. Yeah, things uh, things tend to focus out, right? We're we're examining really only two towns in the first book, Carbranth and and uh, the war camps at uh, Shattered Plains, and then we unfocus and see the a larger picture in Words of Radiance, and then yet again after uh, Oathbringer. And you're right, the world really gets um, bigger and also a little more complicated after Oathbringer because we understand a little more what we're up against. So yeah, and story wise, Rhythm of War kind of reverses that a little bit contracts a little bit without mm-hmm. again <laughs> trying to avoid spoilers but um and i think that um there's still a ton of really exciting character development that happens and the focal character of rhythm of war um the the uh, i think she does what she has going on is very cool um yeah. she's not the only focal character but um the character who kind of takes the stage uh, in a big way in Rhythm of War. Uh, I really enjoyed that as well. That's awesome. I, I hope it's who I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> his fa- if you can't tell his favorite character is Yasna. Um, yes. Well, she's, she's, she is, she's a fun one for sure. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's all we have for you today, buddy. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we would actually love to have you back on again to talk a little bit more about the books, but maybe we'll wait till Jack isn't so spoiled and maybe we can have you on uh, <laughs> maybe after we're done your favorite book, Oathbringer. 
Sounds good. Um, so if you want to join this Kickstarter, uh, when this episode airs, you're going to have two more full days to join this Kickstarter. The URL is going to be in the show notes. So make sure that you head to the show notes and click on the Kickstarter. If you haven't already, I'm pretty sure most people who are listening have probably gone there and done it. But if you haven't yet, please go and check it out. The 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 art design and the miniatures are amazing and we can't wait to play we're literally gonna play i'm just gonna have uh you know, the shallan adolin and Catalan miniatures and i'm gonna go i love you no i love you I, that's all i'm gonna do <laughs> three's company in roshar is what i'm gonna be playing with um jack any last words here uh just johnny just thanks so much for for coming on the show and for spending some time with us and uh sharing with us some of your adventures and uh your your journey so far with Brotherwise and with Stormlight into the future. Sounds really exciting. Look forward to speaking with you again. All right. Look forward to it too. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Till next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>